So a lot has happened this week, and I'm going to start off tonight's show with an explanation. And there are some weeks that I just struggle to bring you guys good quality episodes. It's not that the content isn't out there, but there's a lot going on around me. And that keeps me from spending the time that I need to bring four new shows each week. Plus, the kids are about to be out of school, so there's that. So what I've decided to do is cut back to doing just two shows a week. I'll still be doing the Monday shows, but I'm moving that into the evenings, and I'll still be doing the Friday evening show, because look, here we are, but I'm going to continue with the Throwback Thursday shows, too, because those don't take a whole lot of effort, since they're already recorded in their older episodes, and another thing that happened this week is that I decided to leave the platform that I had been using since the show started, mainly because it was getting pretty expensive, and the price just kept increasing. Not really making a lot of money off podcasting to justify spending that kind of money on it. And I'm not complaining about the money at all, like not making any money from it. Because this has just always been a hobby for me. Well, this week I took the time to migrate all of the previous episodes from where they were to a new platform or a new to us platform. Mystery Murder and Mayhem is now part of the Anchor family of podcasts. Oh, did you hear me say mayhem? Yep. There was also a slight name change, too. I felt like most of the episodes have been mostly true crime and nothing to do with magic at all, so I tweaked the title a little bit. Now that I'm only doing two new episodes each week, the plan is for those to be better quality and more detailed shows. So let's get tonight's episode started. It's been a little while since I've been talking, you know, or since we did anything with aliens, UFOs, and that type of stuff. So tonight, that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about on What the Friday. Welcome to What the Friday, an after dark series presented by mystery, murder, and magic. Listening discretion. On a warm night in August of 1955, 11 people rushed into the Hopkinsville, Kentucky Police Department asking for help. They all gave a story that would most would really find hard to believe. I mean, honestly, just out of the blue, it, it probably did like throw off the police that were there. But members of the Satin family told the police that they had been fighting for most of the evening were what they claimed were extraterrestrial creatures who had landed on the family farm in a UFO. As crazy as it sounded, the officers on duty all agreed that the Suttons were truly terrified and they had indeed seen something, but they weren't sure what that something was. Now, according to the family, around 7 p.m., Billy Ray Taylor, who was a friend of the family, had gone out back to draw water from the well when he saw this shiny metallic object. As Taylor watched, the object floated towards the house, actually passed over the house, hovered there for a moment, and then dropped to the ground. Well, Taylor went back into the house, and he was telling the Suttons about what he had seen, and they laughed at him. I mean, most people would, right? About an hour after that first sighting, the Sutton's dog, he started barking, and it just wouldn't stop barking, so Taylor and Lucky Sutton walked to the back door to see what the dog 
was barking at. And he was like, all stirred up. So, you know, they were like, what's going on? But when they looked out, they saw this strange glowing object. And close by was this human-like creature that stood about three and a half feet tall. And it had almost a perfectly round head. And the head was huge. It had arms that nearly dragged the ground. And on the end of its two arms was these talon-like projections. The eyes, they glowed yellow. And its body shimmered. Now, the two men were terrified, and so they grabbed a 20-gauge shotgun and a 22 rifle and fired off a round or two at that little man. The little man put his hands up in the air like he was surrendering, and he did some sort of flip, and he disappeared into the night. Now, not long after that, the men saw another similar creature, and they fired at it through the window. And just like the one earlier, it wasn't affected by the bullet. It did a flip and it disappeared too. The ones who were laughing before when Taylor had told them about what he had seen, they were no longer laughing. And one of the women saw one of the little men approaching the house and she went into the hallway, hallway and hid. After some time, Taylor decided to step out onto the porch that had this little, like, uh, eave hanging over it that covered the porch. And those that were still inside, they watched in horror as a hand reached down and touched his hair. Well, everyone inside started screaming and they pulled Taylor back inside the house. Luckily, or Lucky, gosh, Lucky Sutton, he fired a shot at the overhang where the hand had reached down from and then fired another shot at one of the creatures that was hanging out in a nearby tree. Well, of course, by now, everyone was back in the house, and they spent the next few hours listening out for sounds from the creatures, but all they really heard was scratching on the rooftop. Now, and I'm wondering if it was a regular roof like we have now, or if it was a tin roof, because if it was tin roof, you know, that was pretty terrifying. Well, around 11 that night, they all made a run for the cars that was out in the yard, and they drove to the police station. And the police did take them seriously. Before driving back out to the farm, the police chief called for backup. And once they were all out on the farm, they were joined by the state police and military police from Fort Campbell. And there was also a photographer that showed up. But all they found when they searched the farm that night was shell casings from the bullets the two men had fired off. There wasn't any signs of heavy drinking like empty liquor bottles or nothing like that so no they just didn't get drunk and concoct this crazy story well soon the police and others left but sometime around or between 2 30 and daylight the little men came back and one of the women saw glowing outside of her bedroom window and she even saw one of like a hand on her window screen I probably would have died right there. But the next day when it was daylight, the police came back out so they could take a better look around since it was daylight and, you know, they were looking for evidence. And they were thinking that surely there would be like footprints, maybe a trail of blood from where one of them maybe had been shot or even scratch marks on the roof. But they couldn't find one shred of evidence. A man from a local radio station came and he talked to the family and he drew sketches from what they described and he later said that he was impressed by how specific 
they had been with their descriptions and they had all given the same uh, description. Well, it wasn't long before newspapers and radio stations were telling the story of the tiny men from outer space on the Sutton farm. And you know how it is when the news gets out like that. People have to go take a look. Hundreds of people visited the farm. But instead of like wanting to hang out and getting to know the Suttons or like asking questions or anything, they called the Suttons ignorant and they even called them liars. So the Suttons put up these no trespassing signs, but that didn't keep people off their property either. So what did they do? They started charging admission. For 50 cents, they would let you on their property. For a dollar, they'd give you some information. And for $10, you could have your picture made. Can't say I blame them, but those same people who had called them liars and ignorant also called them scammers. Now, you know how details change when stories start circulating, like things just get blown all out of proportion. Well, that happened too. And soon after, just a, it was just like a, where it had started out, like a, there was just a few of those little green men. It, it turned into like there was a dozen of them just all over the property. Well, the following year, this lady by the name of Isabel Davis, and she was a UFOologist. I, I guess that's how you say it, UFOologist. She came to the farm and she did her own thorough investigation. And from that investigation, she published a nearly 200 page report. She didn't find the Suttons to be crazy or anything like that. And she even said that other theories that people had came up with, like the whole story being a hoax or a publicity stunt, or even the family having hallucinations just made no sense. And over the years since then, there's been theories and one of those said that it could have been owls that the Suttons had seen that night back in 1955. Experts said that it could have been like great horned owls because those are like really big owls and they do have yellow eyes. And on top of that, they're, they're known as fierce protectors of their nest. But I'm sure the Suttons, they weren't new to owls and they would have known an owl when they saw it. I mean, that just sounds ridiculous to me that it could have been owls, but I wasn't there. And y'all know me. I just prefer to believe that it was something, you know, paranormal or from another world that was going on. Now, their story lives on these days still. And each year in August, the citizens of that area, they have this festival called the Little Green Men Days Festival. And one of the granddaughters of the family, she don't mind talking about, you know, telling the family story. And there, But there's other members that are still around that refuse to even talk about it. But this granddaughter, she's written two books about that encounter. And she speaks each year at that local festival. And I also should mention it here that Steven Spielberg was inspired by this story for the movie E.T., well, about a decade before the Suttons had their alien encounter in Kentucky, a man named George Adamski, he made several claims to fame for encounters with aliens and UFOs. Starting in the 1940s, he took multiple photos of what he claimed to be flying saucers, but many experts then called them fake, and in 1952, 
Adamski, he reported that he had communicated with an alien that was from Venus in the California desert. And he claims that they used telepathy and hand signs to communicate. Now, Adamski, he also wrote several books telling of his alien encounters, and these books were widely read, especially during, like, the trippy years of the 60s. Um, but in a book that he released in 1955, um, that book was called Inside the Spaceships, he talked about meetings with extraterrestrials from Mars and even uh, Saturn. And according to him, every single planet in our solar system and the dark side of the moon is inhabited with these human-like or humanoid creatures. In that book, he went on to say that his friends from outer space took him onto what he called a scout ship. Sorry, I had to get um, Ariel out of some trouble but under my desk but anyway they he said that those aliens took him into their scout ship flew him up to the mothership which was pretty close by once they were on the mothership they flew around the moon and the whole time they're, they're doing this cruise around the moon the aliens were giving him a crash course on what life is like on the planet venus now, also on his flight, he says that he was educated by a thousand-year-old man-like creature called the Master. And the Master told him many of the secrets of the universe, but he was only allowed to share a few of those when he was back on Earth. Now, before his claims to alien fame, he was already a somewhat well-known man. Because in 1934, he was the leader of a group called the Royal Order of Tibet. That group purchased this really big old estate in Laguna Beach, California, and they had plans to turn it into the first Tibetan monastery in the United States. Now, at the time, the press called him, quote, as strange as the cult he sponsors. Then in 1936, his name started circulating again when he became the leader of the group called Universal Progressive Christianity. And then in 1938, he came up with a plan to end the Great Depression. But I don't believe anything really ever came out of that. Now, during his UFO era, it's believed he took somewhere around 500 UFO pictures. But out of those, he only got about a dozen that were clear enough. And he says he gave those to the Air Force and he kept the negatives. Now, he's not the first person to have claimed that he met aliens but he is the first person that ever came forward to say that he had uh encounters with extraterrestrials now his last claim to fame was when he predicted that an army of flying saucers would descend on washington dc but you know what he passed away that april and he didn't get to see if his prediction had been accurate or not. And apparently it hadn't been accurate. But anyway, since he passed away, critics have described him as a harmless crackpot, a small-time con artist, or a bit of both. Now, I'm not calling this man a liar. I never met him, of course. I mean, he was long before my time. But 
because he had done the cult thing twice before latching onto the UFO phenomena. I have a hard time believing his narratives of what he saw and experienced. According to ABC News earlier this month, the Pentagon officials have told, or they told a U.S. House panel that there are nearly 400 reports of possible encounters with UFOs by the U.S. military. Now they're starting to refer to these as UAPs instead of UFOs, and UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Now the Pentagon isn't admitting that these US or UAPs are from outer space, but they do see them as a risk to national security. And I only mention this because at least now reports are being taken more seriously and people aren't just being laughed at when they come forward with this kind of thing. Now, whether you believe in aliens or not is up to you, but you have to wonder with all the widely reported sightings over the years, is there something out there? And I believe there is. Maybe not little green men as they portray them in movies and TV shows and all the sci-fi stuff, but something has to be out there because I just find it hard to believe that we're alone in the universe. Well, y'all, that's all I have for tonight's What the Friday. Be sure to come back on Monday for an all-new Mystery, Murder, and Mayhem.